And I have to say to everybody that's listening, don't get sidetracked by money. Money is a thing. Obviously, you need money to live. I get that. But um, follow your passion and, and follow where your passion takes you. everyone and welcome to Life with a Sherry on Top. I am your host Sherry Hagan and today I am joined once again by my loving husband Kevin who really wants to be here as a co-host. Yes I do. <laughs> <laughs> welcome baby. Thank you. What are we talking about today? Today I want to talk about career changes. Oh. Because um, I've floundered my whole life trying to figure out what I wanted to do and um, I cannot be the only one. Well, yeah, I mean, everybody figures it out. But I thought, I mean, you were pretty set in your when you were doing events and oh yeah stuff. I thought that was a good career for you. But yeah, you've moved around a little. I have. No, okay. we all have. Yeah. See, he he's only known me for fourteen years, really. But when you look at my career as a whole, like I started working when I was fifteen, I have jumped around. So I started with retail at Woodfield Mall. And I worked at stores that don't even exist anymore. I worked at Stewart's and I worked at Gina Cole. My mother was a district manager for Learner. So that's kind of, I guess that's why I chose that as my first job. So I had a, a, a worker's permit when I was 15. I left retail because I hated it so much. And I started working at McDonald's, which I actually enjoyed. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't a cook. Thank God. I didn't want to be back in a kitchen. I'm, I'm a people person, so right. I enjoyed working at McDonald's, and then I ended up actually being, I mean, at the time, I was their youngest head trainer ever hired at, I, I don't know if I was 16 or 17, but mm. genuinely loved it, mm. but I left McDonald's because, you know, I was too cool to work right. at McDonald's right. for the rest of my life, and now I could probably own 20 franchises and be a gazillionaire. Yeah, they were... A very good company. A lot of people I knew in that age was work, you know, they worked there for a year or so, but did the same thing. It was like, I'm not working at McDonald's. This is, you know, yeah. it's either embarrassing as a kid or this don't, you know, if you don't want to do that, you're too cool to do that. But they were, they can be very successful if you put your absolutely effort into it. And what was your first job, Kevin? <laughs> <laughs> well, besides a paper route, which I used to run all the time, um, I also worked at Russell's Broasted Chicken when I was 14 years old. I was um, in charge of taking the dead chickens off of the truck <laughs> and bringing them into the back room and uh, plucking them and then cutting them into the pieces. So the, the breast and the legs and the wings mm -mm -mm. and the thighs. Yeah. What a fantastic first job. It was fantastic indeed. <laughs> I don't know why you didn't stay with that. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I got paid cash. I'm not sure they even knew who I was. I mean, it was just kind of, I'd come in, I'd do that, and I'd take some money and leave. I went from uh, retail to McDonald's, and then I w got into veterinary medicine. So I, I started working at an anim a local animal hospital, and I loved you were it. how old then, roughly? 19, okay. maybe 20. Yeah. Gosh, I really wish I could remember exact dates, but I was right around there. I started working at the animal hospital as an office person. And then I loved, I loved the animals. I loved 
everything about it. So I started getting involved in doing some some veterinary technician work that you could do without being licensed. And then I became a licensed vet tech. And then I went to school uh, at University of Wisconsin-Madison to do veterinary medicine. Uh, that didn't last very long because I got sidetracked by money. So... <laughs> Isn't that always the case? It is. It is, actually. And I have to say to everybody that's listening, don't get sidetracked by money. Money is a thing. Obviously, you need money to live. I get that. But um, follow your passion and, and follow where your passion takes you. I'm, I've always said that if I, if I become a millionaire by, I don't know, lottery, because I don't know how else that's going to happen, <laughs> I would open my own veterinary clinic because that is where the real money is made. If you can afford your Owning own clinic, clinic. Yeah. yeah, or your own hospital, what, however you want to phrase it, mm -hmm. that's where you make a lot of money. Veterinarians don't make a whole lot of money. And back when I was in school, uh, they were my, the vets that I worked for were making thirty-eight thousand and forty-two thousand. I get it; it was in the late eighties, but it wasn't a lot of money even mm -hmm. then. Yeah. So um, I was lured. By money, I left there and I went over to Motorola subsidiary called Chicago Communications, which we just called Shycom. And I, I loved it there. I loved the people. I loved everything I did. I, they were my family for nine years. And I went from billing clerk to, I, I think this is right. I went from billing clerk to billing manager to office manager and then I moved over to sales to sell uh, maintenance contracts. And I, I loved every aspect of it. I really did. But then I got divorced. I don't know if this is the same for men, but for women, we make drastic changes, I think. As I, I mean, I know every person is not the same, but when I got divorced, I like lost a bunch of weight. I cut my hair. I changed careers. I did the, it was like, you know, I'm leaving that life behind and I'm moving forward. So I was at Shycom for, I think, nine and a half years. And then I left again for money. A uh, trade show exhibit company recruited me. And so I made the change. And it was a horrible change, horrible change. <laughs> and I hated that position from like day three. I was like, oh, shit, I made a huge mistake. And I just left this company that I loved that was like family to me. And by the way, everybody at Shycom and everybody at Motorola that used to work there, you, we are still family. Like, I still feel still, that way. Yeah. Yeah. So what about you? Like. Where did you go from Russell's Broasted Chicken? I, I'm still there. No, I just... <laughs> <laughs> that's all he does, I, folks. He it. just plucks just chicken. Pluck chickens. Um, so when I was 16, I got a real job and paid taxes and everything. Um, and I was working with service merchandise. So I was hired with them as a sight and sound clerk. So working in the stereo portion and camera portion of the of the store. It was a temporary hire because it was christmas help that they were needing so oh, okay i got in at the you know at the right, right time right before christmas and did well enough to stay on board so they kept me on and 
Long story short, I worked my way through the ranks there with a number of different promotions to different departments and in charge of different areas. And uh, by the time I was 22, I believe, I was a store manager and uh, opened up their store in Elgin and ran their store there for a couple of years. So I was in retail for quite some time as well. And Listen, yeah, retail, it's, <laughs> it is a rough business, oh, it um, is. but you know, it did, I did well there and uh, service was a great company. They trained your, their people very well. They were always very you know, concerned and, and they, they were very consistent in all of their stores. So no matter kind of where you went, you were always treated the same. You knew what was happening. The, the procedures were the same. Yeah. You know, you would you would act the same to each of the other managers and and help them promote themselves and get into, you know, another level of position within the stores because there was, in the Chicagoland area, I believe there were sixteen stores that you sure. know just were, people were transferred back and forth between stores and promoted oh and all over. So it was crazy. I used to love like the highlight of the preseason Christmas was the service merchandise catalog that you would get, and I would mark like. 500 pages of things that I wanted <laughs> and I never got any of it, but whatever. Yeah. And listen, service and, and you always speak highly of that company. You really, you really liked it. There. I was, yeah. I mean, I was a kid getting into it, but they really trained me well and trained. I felt like I was being kind of watched over and sure. some of the, some of the store managers I had were fantastic guys and gals and they've just helped me along too. So you know, you, you ride some coattails, you find the right people that help yeah. you out and treat you well and, you know, you take advantage of some of those situations where you can and, you know, just be aggressive to to look for that next level. And that carried me through, you know, I, I was 23 and a half, 24 years old when I left there. I, okay. you know, I started going to college and decided, man, I'm, I might be missing out on something if I don't continue to stay at work here. So I actually just stayed at service and worked to work through that instead of going to, to school. Yeah. I mean, there's so many kids that I, I genuinely feel sorry for the kids of the past and of today and of the future, because it's so hard to say at, you know, at 18 years old or however old you are when you're a senior in high school, OK, this is the path I want to take. And I have to stick with it because my parents are paying for college or I, even I'm paying for college and I need to figure it out. Right. And, you know, so many people um, change majors and, and do all kinds of things. And, and, and that's, listen, there's nothing wrong with that. That's life. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think, I think you and your ex did a fantastic job in helping your kids kind of determine what they wanted to do, not determine, but help them process, I guess, what they wanted to do, because you talk to them about what they thought they wanted to do. Right. And then you encourage them, them to do that. And you put them in contact with people that actually did that right. so that they could get a feel for it. Right. Luckily, I mean, we, we knew some people and you could, you know, somebody wants to be whatever, a firefighter, really, you know, we put them, put them in a fire station for a night or a day and have them see what's being done and get a feel for it and get an understanding for it. And then, you know, yeah. also just this going as far as looking up the job position on, on a website and finding out what it consists of and what's the, and, and unfortunately pay comes into this a lot, but what's the average pay, you know, and yeah. how does, 
how does that structure and what what you're looking to do and there was there's a lot that goes into it i never had any of that direction so we were luckily enough to give some direction to to that and help that along but i mean it's you know i've been very lucky in kind of sticking with yeah outside of retail once i left the retail environment so i, I went from service merchandise to american tourster and worked with their as a district manager in their retail environment for many years yeah when i got bored with that they put me into a position with american tourster as a national account manager so i was now selling the products into the retail stores right so some of my stores that I worked with at Service Merchandise actually was service was one of my accounts that I sold to. Sure. So it was, um, you know, it was a nice transition. And I got, when I got into that sales level, that's when I realized this is what I want to do. I thought I was going to be a store manager for life. And I, you know, which nothing no, wrong with that. Believe no, me, it was a not at all. great position, great job, great company. But um, once I got into sales, I realized that's really what I wanted to do and where I wanted to be. You seriously... Here's the thing about my husband, Kevin, and I've said this, I swear to you, I have said this since the first day I met him. He is the most genuine person you will ever meet. And he is not that typical, like, car salesman, used car sales, sales guy. He's not that person. Everybody loves Kevin because he is so genuine. And he just tells, he can... He can sell anything to anybody, but he does it in such a way because he's genuine about it, you know? And I, I feel the same way about myself when it comes to real estate. I will tell my clients, you don't, you don't really want this. Like you're getting caught up in a frenzy right now because it's for the past three or four years in real estate, it's been... I got to win. I got to win. I got to right. win because you're up against multiple offers. Right. And the truth is, you, you know, we'll find you another house. It's fine. Like, don't yeah. get caught up in this frenzy because you feel like you have to win. Yeah. And that I think that's what makes me an exceptional I realtor. Totally and I agree. And I think that that's also what makes you an exceptional salesperson. And I, listen, he's VP of sales. He's 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 in charge of a lot of people. And I I will just speak on their behalf because I know everybody that works for him. And if I'm speaking out of turn, you guys, I'm sorry. But if I were in your position, I would love to report to Kevin. Like, I would love it because he is, oh, he'll play the bad guy when he needs to play the bad guy. He'll, you know, he's just so good at what he does. And this was not meant to be a Kevin Love Fest. That's not uh, keep going. I love it. No, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Actually, the point of this whole podcast is um, to talk about career changes and and kind of life as it happens. And you can choose the direction. You can choose your path, right? And you can follow that path. And for those that can do that, I applaud you. Because I'm clearly not that person when you look at my work history. You know, I worked at McDonald's or I worked in retail and then I worked at McDonald's and then I went to veterinary medicine and then I went to Shycom and then I went over to trade shows and then I worked for a company called OAG. But I do want to talk about quickly how I quit my job at 
at this um, trade show company that I'm not going to name that is still in business. So I they're headquartered in um, Minneapolis. And I had been there about three months. And I was miserable. I left my job at Motorola and just I was miserable. <laughs> I was at a at a corporate meeting in Minneapolis and everybody was screaming at each other across the conference table. Nobody was listening to each other. Everybody was screaming at each other. And I watched this go on for about 20, 25 minutes. And keep in mind, I was also getting divorced. I had walked away. Okay. If anybody's listened to the, to the other podcast about divorce, you understand why I've walked away. Just let me say that. But I've walked away from my marriage. I've left a job that I've known for nine and a half years to go work for this company that was supposed to be, you know, the, the next best thing, which wasn't. And I'm watching these people scream at each other. And I literally, I just stood up, hand to God, this is what happened. I stood up and I said, I quit. And they all just shut up and they looked at me and they were like, what? And I said, I, I can't work for you people. You're nuts. <laughs> like you're all screaming at each other. Nothing is getting accomplished here. I'm out. And I left. I walked out. I took a cab from that particular company to the Minneapolis airport. I caught an earlier flight because this was way before 9-11 where you could actually just catch a flight whenever you needed to. I was flying ATA. Do you remember ATA? I do. Yeah. Okay. I was flying ATA into Midway and the entire flight home, I was hysterically crying. The, i Whoever was sitting next to me, I'm so sorry. <laughs> but I was like, okay, I just quit my job. I am getting divorced. I gave my husband the house. I have no, like, I, it was, I have an apartment that I'm living in. Yeah. And how am I going to afford this? What did I just do? Yeah, what did I just do? I uh, landed at Midway and I drove to a, um, what do you call those places? where they find you a job oh temporary like a temporary like a place? temporary temp. yeah like a temp position company what what's the matter with me why can't i think <laughs> of what it's called whatever it's called i walked in and it was maybe 4 30 in the afternoon and i walked in and i've clearly been crying for hours <laughs> and i walk in and i said i need a job and she said okay what do you do and, you know, I gave her my history and she said, okay, do you have a resume? And I said, no, but I'll put one together. And in three days, again, hand to God, three days, I had a, I had a resume to her and she found me a temporary job at a company called OAG. OAG was the best job I've ever had in my entire life. Like, hands down. Sorry, Shycom people, because you come in second. But OAG was by far the best job I've ever had. Um, they published all worldwide airline schedules. This was before the internet. So all you know, I know you know this. I, I use that guide all the time when yeah, I travel. Yeah, the OAG pocket flight guide. Yep. Um, every traveler, every uh, frequent flyer traveler carried around an OAG pocket flight guide. Mm-hmm. 
again, before 9-11, you could, um, if you missed your flight or you were early for your flight or whatever, you could look up other flights on this pocket flight guide and go, oh, I'll just, you know, I'm on, I'm on American right now, but I'll walk over to Delta or United or whoever. They've got a, an earlier flight or a later flight or whatever your scenario is, and I'll take that. So with OAG, I started as the assistant to the marketing director. And then I became marketing manager. And then I became, well, and then 9-11 happened. So the travel industry fell apart, but OAG tried to hold it together for a while. So by the time I left, I was in charge of everything. Like it was <laughs> marketing, training, uh, trade shows, which kind of falls under marketing. But I, I mean, there was so many things that I was doing at the time. They had so many rounds of layoffs after 9-11 and I think I'm almost positive I got hit with the ninth round of layoffs. So I had survived eight rounds. And they went from a company of 1,800 employees in Oakbrook to by the time I was laid off, I think they had gone down to like 190. It was nuts. And then I got laid off. Where was I going to work? I thought, no problem. You know, I've got all this experience. I know what I'm doing. I will be able to find a job in a minute. Nine months later, thank, thank you, OAG, for the payout, by the way, because that got me through those nine months. Uh, nine months later, I ended up at a payroll company as an assistant to the president of the company. And I was really not happy at the time. But it, I was taking... When I tell you I was making less than half of what I made at OAG, I was making less than half. But I had to take a job because I needed a job. When you worked for, I'm sorry, wow, have I taken over this conversation? No, just a little bit. No, I'm just kidding. That's uh, <laughs> all good. So when you worked for American Tourister, mm -hmm. kind of talk about your path from there. So uh, I got... I mentioned I was a national account manager from there. I got kind of bored with that and asked my president of the company at the time to, you know, if there's any other challenges that I could do in the, put me into the premium and incentive marketplace, which is a whole nother story. But that was where I began to love the channel that I'm in now. And that's where that kind of all started. So I went from there to another luggage company that was uh, Kenneth Cole. Um, okay. licensee and they were, it was fantastic. I built my own little business inside their company <laughs> and we, we were doing just great. So I, you know, I've always, again, I've always kind of been in the sales position and the biggest learning curve I had to have was after I worked my way out of my own position at Kenneth Cole, we did so well and they were a licensee company we had so much money coming in and the sales were growing so quickly that they decided to take the license away from the corporation <laughs> that we were working with Jeez. and took it right in house. So, uh, put us, put six guys out of, out of a job you know, on a Friday afternoon in, in May. Nice. But yeah. Um, so from there I actually went to in-home sales, which I never thought I was capable of doing. And it took a long time to change my, 
thought process and my attitude a little bit and go through the training with Sears to sell siding and windows in home. And and that's it's actually quite a challenge. I don't know if you've ever been an in-home salesperson. Never. Um, any of you out there have been, you you know what I'm talking about. It's a, uh, you know, there's a pressure to close the deal because mm-hmm. you're fully commissioned. You have to, you're not going to get paid unless you, you know, they buy. And obviously as in, in in-home sales, you have uh, 48 hours to rescind your decision if you decide you felt pressured or not. So it's, yeah. It's a pressure sale, but it can't be a pressure sale. So you really have to be very walk that line. Yeah, it's a thin line, and it's a, it's very interesting to do. So I, I did very well with that, and was very successful there. And after some time, luckily, I got back into the the just you know the marketplace and distribution distribution channel that I'm in currently. Yeah, well, you're amazing at what you do, and I'm not saying that because I'm your wife. You are truly amazing at what you do. Thank you. And I sit here and listen to you when you're home mm-hmm. and almost on a weekly basis, I say to you, I could not do your job <laughs> because <laughs> he is so good at it. Like, he's just so good at, you know, he's 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 got how many salespeople reporting to you um, in total? It's just about. Uh, 27, I think. Okay. That's a lot. And so that's 27 personalities that you have to deal with. And Lord knows I have talked about this before. I am not a good uh, sandbox person. I don't play well with others. Like Mm -hmm. I know what I need to do and I do it well, Mm -hmm. but don't step in my sandbox. Mm -hmm. It's my kind of thing. And you are just so good at it. Thank you. You're well, welcome. It, it, there it's a true is a, compliment. I, I know you've, you've told me that before. I appreciate that very Many much. Times. I do. Yeah. Um, and it is a, there is a balance to it. I mean, I have to have a level head all the oh time between, all the time he does. between sales people, customers and factories. Yeah. There's a lot of different scenarios that take place and you just have to be able to recognize the situation and react to it calmly, but quickly so and he does i swear to god he's the best at what he does this is not meant to be a kevin fest by the way but it it's true he really is fantastic at it and i'm fantastic at what i do but it took me a while to get there it's kind of my <laughs> point so i worked for this payroll company and i was the assistant to the president of the company i worked incredibly hard for a very minimal salary, but I had to prove my worth and I did. And I will say that they were very good about when I said, Hey, I've done A, B, C, D, E, F, and G to make this company successful along with everything you guys are doing. They said, yes, you have. And here's a giant race. I'm not taking away from that. Right. They, in the end, they, Paid me what I think. Yeah, Yeah. they stepped up. Exactly right. Um, And then the person that was the founder and and president of the company hired somebody else, uh, actually a couple of people, two people specifically, to take over one of the persons I had absolutely no problem with. And the other person, and unfortunately, this was the person I had to directly report to. It was like oil and water. 
however you want to say it, it was not good. Yeah. So I went from, you know, I'm perfectly happy in this position and I'm going to stay here forever to what the hell? Like, I cannot deal with this person. Eventually, it all came to a head. And I'm, I'm actually going to talk about that in a, in a different episode because it has everything to do with ethics. And I'm a very ethical person. And mm-hmm. the person I was reporting to was not. <laughs> um, and so I left right before they went public. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I literally could be a millionaire right now. But I chose to leave knowing that I chose to leave because I can hold my head high knowing that I made the right decision for me. Right. right? Yeah. So after I left that payroll company, I was like, oh, shit. So I, I had uh, left in a hurry because my boss and I had gotten in a huge fight and he had threatened me basically and said, you know, I'll make sure you never go anywhere further than where you are in this company. And I was like, well, here's a big fuck you. I'm leaving. And I left. I I found another job in like four or five days Mm -hmm. after that argument and left. Um, And then I, of course, I wasn't happy because I didn't even bother checking anything. Right. And so I floundered for a bit. And then I came home one day and said to Kevin, okay, here's the thing. Um, I just quit my job. And, and now we have no income in terms of my income. We only have, you know, we're now a one income household and it's solely based on your income, Kevin. So I'm going to become a realtor and I'm going to go to school in Kevin's defense. Listen, he is, I swear to God, the most patient person in the world. He was just like, Okay, if that's what you want to do, great. How long is it going to take? And I said, it's a 16-week course. Um, you know, I'll go, I'll get it done. And I think in maybe six months total, I went to school, got my license, made a decision, and moved forward. And I was rookie of the year. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah, it was quick. There was some, yeah, it was a lot of studying. A lot oh, of time. Oh my God, it was a lot, a lot of, of study. Yeah, it was yeah. back in school days, but yeah, and I plowed through it. And I love real estate. I love it. Mm-hmm. It is not what you see on HGTV. I just want to say that. But yeah, right. it is um, a fabulous job and I love it. And I'm never leaving it. I also love this podcasting. It's something I've always wanted to do since I was a kid because I was always grounded. I'm just going to go way backwards to when I was a teenager. My mother was very overprotective. And so for every minute, I I hand to God, for every minute I was late past my curfew, I was grounded one week. So if I was three minutes late, I was grounded for three weeks. And she stuck to that. And P.S. My curfew was 10 (laughs) o'clock. It's ridiculous. Even now, it's ridiculous. So when I was grounded, I was grounded from going out. I was grounded from people coming in and I was grounded from TV. So the only thing that left me with was the radio in my room. Singing to your broomstick. That's right. Yeah. So, (laughs) well, it's more than that. It was kind of the radio personalities. Yeah. So 
you know, there was no Howard Stern back then, um, but there were Chicago DJs that I loved. So Chicago mm-hmm. Brandmeyer, Chicago Brandmeyer, good Lord. Johnny B. Johnny B. Uh, Jonathan Brandmeyer. Oh my God. Uh, Sidekick Buzz Kilman. No, I know. I knew oh, Buzz okay. Kilman. Yeah. I've met Buzz Kilman. I've partied with Buzz Kilman. <laughs> that wasn't it. Um, no, I was thinking of Larry Lujak and little Tommy. Hmm. And, you know, there were all these radio personalities that I loved. And I thought, I really want to do that. But when I looked into it, it really didn't pay anything unless you became famous. So I didn't, I never yeah. went down that path. Yeah. I always wanted to do radio. And I've always, even when I was at Service Merchandise and making the announcements, you know, code nine to, <laughs> to jewelry. <laughs> Everybody's like, yeah, Yo, you got a great voice. You should be in radio. I'm like, yeah. As I always say, I've got the face for it. But No, stop it. <laughs> so I, the whole point to this episode is honestly to encourage people to follow their dream, whatever it is, right? Because I wanted to be on the radio since I was, I don't know, Jesus, I was grounded my entire teenage life. So let's call it 14, 15 years old. I wanted to be on the radio. There was no such thing as podcasting back then. I'm following that dream doing this, um, even though I'm still a realtor and, okay, realtor, by the way, not realtor, <laughs> it's realtor. I get corrected all the time. Oh my that. God. So stop saying realtor, <laughs> it's realtor. Okay, um, thank you. So I'm a realtor with Cobalt Banker Schomburg and I love what I do, um, but I love this as well. And I love that I'm able to do both, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. And this, even though he gives me guff about it, on only on the podcast, by the way, does he give me guff about it? <laughs> he really wants to do this too, I think. Uh, does yeah, he it's, not it's, have it's... the best voice ever? <laughs> he has the best Stop voice it. for this. No, I don't. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's fun. I, I enjoy it for you, really. I know that you, you like no. doing it. You take the lead on this. I'll, I'm just here to fill in and answer questions. Yeah, no. He, listen. I got enough on my plate. You guys, don't you think he should be like a voiceover person? He would be great on uh, commercials. We're running out of time. Yeah, we are actually <laughs> running out of time. So I'm going to end it there. However, uh, my whole point to this was follow your dream. Don't follow money necessarily. Follow your dream. Because I think, listen, money is great. Money makes the world go round. I get it. But you need to do what makes you happy. Yeah, if you've got a lot of money and you're not happy, it's not going to be, that's usually not a good situation either. Exactly. Yeah. Money isn't everything. All right. So I'm going to ask every, I'm going to end it there. And I'm going to ask everybody to hit your subscribe button, please. Whether you're listening on Apple, Spotify, Audible, YouTube, our website, lifewithasherryontop.com, wherever you're listening, please hit subscribe because this cannot go on without your subscriptions. So I appreciate it very much. Thank you for listening. And we will will talk again (laughs) next week. I'll see you soon. Bye.